long that we have. Oh man. It's been so long. I know. It's so it's so good. <laughs> wait. I, I'm committed to making up lyrics each time now. Wait. Okay. Uh, wait. Let me have it hit something. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. So what do you do for forward? <laughs> I want to know because I am boss. <laughs> I need to make my money somehow so I don't go broke. Hey. <laughs> That's what improv does. Um, so glad I spent so many thousands of dollars on that. Uh, welcome <laughs> to So What Do You Do? where we talk to people in different careers to learn what other ways there are to make money. I am one of your hosts, Jen Staben, and we are joined, as always, with Joyce. Hi. Hello, Joyce. Hello, hello. Um, I have my ASMR glass right I love here. it. I love and it. just to let you know what's in this glass, um, and this is going to sound like a brag, and it's because I am, it is... <laughs> infused rye that yeah, I infused okay. myself oh my um, with the lemongrass I grew myself <laughs> and a tangerine tree that happens to be on my property. So it's that you. So you grew yourself as well. So it, yeah, it is uh, sustainable. And so then <laughs> um, I have a coffee liqueur that is in here. And then I also had, now this is where it's not fancy, my leftover drip coffee from this morning that I just poured in here and then soda water. Oh, and then wow. um Aztec chocolate bitters and Agnostera bitters. Oh my goodness. What a cocktail. I am what, what is the what is the name of this cocktail? It doesn't have a name. Um maybe it's um Well what uh, would you what would you dub it? Uh it's uh the great equalizer. Because oh. it has alcohol and caffeine. So mm. it's like, it's equalizing me out. <laughs> Jen's great equalizer. Jen's great equalizer. I like it. Uh, I like it. Joyce, how have you been? Good. Um, I have been able to steer clear of the Rona. However, mm. <laughs> um, there was a wild – oh, my gosh. It was such a weird experience this morning. I went to the cafe to do some work. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I was indoors and there's Choice. a certain level of risk to that. Choice. Um But I was – okay, so I was doing my work and then all of a sudden I hear someone on the, their phone – and it's on speaker and whatever. Like, I understand people do this. But the there was a voice on the phone saying, hello, my name is so-and-so, and I will be helping with you today. Um, and, yeah, I tuned out for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I hear the same voice on the phone saying, so when were you exposed? Oh, my God. And then shortly afterwards, the voice also said, so are you experiencing any coughing symptoms? And it was their I was, tracer call. I, yeah, I was like, why would you take that in a well-packed indoor cafe on speakerphone? And I'm assuming they didn't have their mask on. They did not have their mask on. <gasps> and I turned around and like sh the person on the phone was a woman and she had her back to me. But she was there with a man who was on the other side of the table. So f like further away, but facing me. And I made direct eye contact with him and I was like, what is going on? And I like, I, I kind of expected him to like look a little embarrassed or confused or something, but it was just no. a stone cold, flat, ex no expression, like no big deal. And I like immediately <sighs> packed up and left because I was just like, I don't, I don't understand what I just experienced. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what was going on at all. That is bonkers. It's yeah, I I um, it was almost like they were trying to scare people. I, mean, I don't know. I would gather that they just didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it sounded like. Is like I you know, there is this weird kind of ambivalence to it now. It's yeah. like, oh, it's mm -hmm. kind of milder like, you know, I don't mean to brag, but I did get covid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Oh my god, how quick this thing spreads. Like I yeah. I'm like 3 weeks out from having it. And um and I'm just wondering if they were ambivalent about it like eh, everyone's going to get it. But to go to a crowded coffee shop 
and to maskless take a speakerphone call from your contact tracer is bananas. Yeah, I, like I have never experienced anything like that. And I, I mean, I mean, I, I agree that there's probably a little bit of fatigue. Like we've been dealing with this for a very long time, and things keep changing. But this was just next level. And I'll tell you this: usually, when I got my contact tracing, it was six days after a positive PCR test. So this person absolutely knows that. Oh, my God. Like it definitely was not that call informing them. I would say maybe not definitely, but I would say I'm pretty dang sure that they for sure knew. Now, I will say this there. This is the one thing I could see. They are pretty backlogged with the contact tracing. Mm -hmm. So if they are asymptomatic and it's after that five days, technically they can come out of quarantine, but they should still be wearing their mask per the CDC. Yeah. And like, I mean, I like if you're if you've been stuck indoors for a very long time and you want to go outside and like get coffee or something like like I understand that that there's a desire to do that, but you can also get coffee with your mask on step outside and drink safely while not scaring the hell out of people in the cafe. I, I I don't know. Like Absolutely. And you know what? I'm pretty sure the data points to being able to do that too. That's my heavy-handed way of I love moving it. this conversation over to our esteemed, lovely <laughs> guest. We've had to put this off for two weeks now because I kept on saying, I got COVID and I don't feel good. Um, <laughs> please welcome to the podcast, Jana Dodson. Hi. Did you uh, like our segue? That was really nice. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're leading you in with like, uh, I got COVID. People are being obscene <laughs> about having COVID. Anyways, here's our guest. Um, but Jenna, um, I yeah. will allow you to introduce yourself with your career title so everyone knows yes. what we're working with today. Um, my name is Jana Dodson and I'm a data scientist. Yes. Uh, at a Bay Area tech company. Nice. 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 <laughs> I'm very excited about this because even though I've worked with data scientists and spoiler, specifically you as a data scientist, <laughs> Jenna, I don't always understand the data or the science part of it. So I'm really excited mm -hmm. to dig into this today. And, you know, you can set the record straight out there what this is. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. I think there's actually a lot of confusion out there across uh, the industry about mm -hmm. what data science is um, mm -hmm. and what skills they should have and what sort of types of value they should produce and tool sets they should use. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to talk through those different uh, cases. <laughs> yeah. Joyce, I don't like what's your what's your familiarity with the data science role? Yeah, I think like like high level, I kind of understand. I think Jana, as well as others, have uh, educated me a ton on like what's data science versus like data analytics and like how how you can think of those like coinciding and work interacting with one another. Um, but I like I agree. I think there is a lot of like confusion because data is just bigger and bigger now. Like the the yeah. role that data yeah. plays and like what we can do with data is bigger um, and continuing, continuously will grow. Um, and so I think that adds a lot of complexity too. So I guess like maybe we can start off with, Jen, how would you describe what a data scientist <laughs> does? Well, so first of all, I think um, the term data scientist can vary in definition based on what industry you're in, what company you're at, and even what team you're on within a single company. Um, mm. And I, I think, you know, it's a relatively new field um, mm -hmm. because we've only relatively recently been able to have the computational power to like do these types of things. Um, so it, it's, the field is definitely still sorting itself out. Um mm -hmm. And when I sort of entered the field, the term data scientist really meant like 20 different things. And mm -hmm. now I think companies kind of are more specific with their job descriptions about what they're looking for, whether it's um, 
more of like an analyst or a machine learning engineer or maybe a data mm-hmm. engineer. Um, they are generally more specific about that now. Um, but yeah, so I think generally speaking, those three uh, types of jobs can can overlap into the data scientist role. Mm-hmm. And you might need, uh, you might do some varying degree of all three of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what you guys might be most familiar with is more of like the analytics side of it, mm-hmm. which is sort of disc- taking data about either about your business or about your product or uh, maybe, you know, more uh, publicly available data um, mm-hmm. and providing insights uh, about the data from the past, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So generally, so so we collect data over time. So at any given point in time, we can generally look at data that we've uh, collected from the past and we can say things about it. Um, and uh, that's generally where analytics stops. Um, and where it moves into more machine learning is when you're trying to take that data from the past and make a prediction about the future. Um, Mm -hmm. Like what will uh, the population of the, of Texas be in 10 years might be more (laughs) a machine learning Mm -hmm. uh, task. Whereas, you know, what is, what is the population of Texas right now would be like an analytics uh, task. Um, And then there's also sort of, Data engineers now is like a, is its own role, but I've found that, um, you know, analysts and machine learning engineers kind of have to do data engineering too. Um, And that's more about like um, making sure the data that goes into either of those uh, things, either predicting the future or analyzing the present state or past state. making sure that data is of high quality. Um, so like, is it actually saying the things that we think it's saying, mm-hmm. or is this data trash? <laughs> um, I hate trash data. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, trash in trash out is what a lot of, um, machine learning people say. <laughs> right. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. And so <laughs> I, I'm curious about this because I've seen this at every single company I'm at. I think data is so interesting. I love it. It makes me feel warm inside. But <laughs> it, but there is there always comes this time at companies as they're growing that it seems like the data infrastructure mm. is not really telling you what it needs to. Like I've definitely come to some conclusions with bad data that could have you know been a catastrophic move in the wrong direction. So does your team or have you found that being in this field, you have a hand in making sure that the the data in is not trash or does that now become a more complex task in working with a larger company at hand? You yeah, mean like I, the, the data engineering side, right? Yeah. Or yeah. well, like just the data in general, like, you know, maybe it's data engineering then where it's, you know, the infrastructure of the data itself and like how it's organized and tables and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, I totally hear you. I, I think, you know, when you first, when a company first starts out, they don't have a dedicated data engineering team generally. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's, the onus is usually on the people using the data, which is typically analysts or machine learning engineers to make sure the data is accurate. Um, but as a company grows, like they generally hire a dedicated data engineering team to make sure that it's of high quality. So now, um, once you get to that point, the users of the data don't have to worry about it as much, generally speaking. But I, I still think it's always crucial that the users of any data understand where the data is coming from first of all, (laughs) Um, like what process is creating this data? Um, What is the structure of the data? Like, are there multiple rows for each person that is represented in this data? Or is it one row? Or, you know, what makes the data, what 
identifies a row in the data? What are the various fields in the data? And like, are they strings or are they numerical? You know, what is the unit of the, of the data? Um, all those things are really important to understand and usually not well documented, I will say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is another aspect that's difficult. But the truth is, you know, fast growing companies change what type of data they want to collect all the time. So it's basically impossible to um, know, to be able to document every single piece of data perfectly uh, in a way that's robust. Um, So it's difficult. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of like those decisions on what data we actually want to capture is kind of made by, by like, you know, engineers who are building the product out in the beginning very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And well, I actually wanted to go back to what you were saying about like the data engineering versus machine learning engineering versus data analysts. Are you saying that data science, data scientists are a combination of those three? Um, So I think historically they kind of have been, although the trend I'm seeing now is that companies will hire for uh, like specialists uh, in one of those three. Mm. And uh, I think the role of like the generalist data scientist is really more at like a, a true startup company that can't hire for all three roles. Um, mm. But the like the problems do get more complex in those roles. And, uh, you know, as I consider myself somewhat of a generalist um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, that means I can sort of do all three, but, you know, I don't have a super deep knowledge of um any of them (laughs) so so yeah bigger companies tend to tend to break those out into teams for sure got it so then if if someone's like i'm i want to be a data scientist like it do you think that most of that pull comes from like for you like what made you want to be a data scientist um well so when i started my career um there wasn't data science was a really new field and there wasn't a lot of agreement uh, across the industry about what it meant. Um, Mm -hmm. There probably still is not a ton of agreement. Um, But I, so my first job out of college was um, I was working essentially as an analyst um, for a healthcare consulting company working on healthcare data. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was working on projects that were um, consulting for the government. So uh, we were working for, (laughs) we were using very traditional statistical methods. um, And through that, I learned that I was very interested in newer methods, which would Mm. sort of fall under the machine learning umbrella. Um, And, uh, Sorry, this is kind of uh, going back. Uh, this is not in chronological order, but um, I studied physics and math in undergrad and originally planned on going into physics as a career. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask like what what you went to school for. That's interesting that it was physics and you were going to go into a career with physics. Yeah. So I, I originally actually committed to a PhD program in physics and mm-hmm. then decided to take a gap year and mm-hmm. get some real world working experience. Um, and a gap decided, year to work. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I did it all wrong. Senior and like just work in startups in San Francisco. I mean, how American I, <laughs> I kind of feel like when you're in academia, you get sucked into this bubble of like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, academia is the only way forward. And so mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to see what else there was and it ended up being like, one of the best decisions I've ever made um, because yeah, I worked for this, um, you know, healthcare consulting company and I got some experience and then I realized there was this whole other world of machine learning and kind of did some self-teaching and, uh, and yeah, eventually got a real data scientist job. <laughs> nice. So did the, the path from college to data analyst, uh, it sounds like, you know, if you were in school for physics, that wouldn't have necessarily covered computer, or sorry, did you say computer science as well? 
Um, I double majored in math and physics, so like th- uh, theoretical math for sure, not um, not really applied. And I they took some CS classes along the way, um, so that's where some of the coding knowledge came from. But I was learning C plus uh, plus in college, which is mm, yeah definitely not what I use mm. now. <laughs> yeah, I think my dad knows that. <laughs> uh so yeah I was going to ask on the uh the coding aspect of it because correct me if I'm wrong there is a level of coding understanding that you need to have or need to be able to get up to speed with to do this job. Yes. Um definitely. So so uh if you're going into the more of the analytics role um the main thing you need to know is SQL. Mm-hmm. Um, which there's, you know, there's a ton of online resources to learn that, um, and some good books, uh, out there. Um, and if you're going to go into the more machine learning route, um, Py- Python is, I think, unless I'm really out of the loop, the, <laughs> the most widely used, uh, language in data science, mm-hmm. um, Data engineers sometimes use both. It depends. Um, so yeah, Python and SQL, that's the main the main uh, tool set. And if someone wanted to go into a career like this, do you have a feeling that if someone was interested in this and they didn't have a background uh, in, let's say, math or CS or even physics, if they're just like, I'm really interested in data, this sounds super engaging as a job. Like, is this something that someone can take boot camp classes for or get certificates for that they could get into an entry level job as an analyst and work their way up? Or what would you say is kind of the entryway if maybe they don't have a college degree that backs up this type of career path? Yeah, um, good question. I mean, I'd say definitely. Uh, if you're interested in data and problem solving, then um, you should definitely pursue this field. I will say the way to get into it has kind of changed since I originally got into it. Um, originally, there was a lot of, um, I mean, there are still a ton of resources online that you can use, like, um, you know, boot camps or, uh, you know, free online classes or uh uh even just like little i really recommend people to do little like uh, side projects you know to like find a data set you find really interesting and Mm. try to do something with it um because applying it is way more helpful than just watching someone like uh manipulate data um or like Mm -hmm. running through a test case um so all those things are super helpful. I do find that now there are like legit master's programs for data science and mm-hmm. um, I think even PhD programs that exist. Mm-hmm. And so I guess if you want a competitive resume, like looking at one of those programs might be helpful. Um, but I still think there's, definitely room for the the self-taught data scientist to enter the field um just need to probably prove yourself out a little bit more with you know have a have a github repo with some projects you've done and showcase uh what you can do yeah and for for people that um maybe don't know kind of what to expect in this role um what like you know aside from like all the meetings that you have to go to and all those kinds of things, what would you say is like an ideal uh, and pretty average like day-to-day for a data scientist or a data analyst or yeah, what whatever that you think this role is kind of evolving into? Yeah. Um, well, I'd say ideally I would be in fewer meetings. Um, right, right. Mm-hmm. But, but there's definitely, I think it's kind of inescapable that you have to deal with stakeholders um, mm-hmm. and learn mm-hmm. how to talk to them and figure out what is the problem they're actually trying to solve. Because sometimes they don't exactly know. Um, and so getting to the root of their problem is really important. Otherwise, you might just kind of spin your wheels and mm-hmm. produce something that doesn't actually produce value. 
Um, so I, I find talking to stakeholders super helpful. I also just like talking to stakeholders <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and talking to people on different teams. Cause sometimes you find, you know, a problem that data science can solve that they didn't realize it could solve. Um, and, you know, you wouldn't find out until you talk to them. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a, what's an, like an example of that? Um, I mean, for example, like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, companies that deal with, um, logistics, which is like, how do we get this thing from A to B, um, Mm -hmm. and in an optimal way? And, you know, they might not really think that data science can actually optimize that for you. Um, but it can, if you have enough data, you can find these sort of optimal solutions through statistical modeling, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm trying to not give <laughs> too many examples specific to my, sure. uh, right, right. company, but, um, well, I wanted to, I mean, I want to jump in here too, because something that I've always been intrigued about with data science, and I've not really been able to crack this is I've always worked on the customer experience side and, I don't know if it's just, you know, harder to get prioritization on these kinds of projects with data science, but is there an opportunity for behavioral models to be taken with data and to interpret customer behavior, how like what your customer might do and things like that, that would inform you on the customer, not necessarily just an operational uh, mm. process, I guess? I would say 100% yes, as long as you have good sample sizes. Um, Mm. So that's where it gets maybe a little difficult with um, customer success is that you might rely on um, data from a smaller subset of customers who have maybe purchased your product. um, Whereas, uh, so the type of research I'm used to doing in this area is with like user data on your website. So um, where you might get like 10,000 people per day, or I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're Facebook, like millions, um, (laughs) billions, I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so there's sort of, we want to make sure that like, you know, it's meta. Meta, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Uh, Just kidding. Uh, But we are sponsored by uh, Meta, uh, we love your data. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm complimenting their data. Like they have, they have a wealth of data where you know any yeah. anything they look at, anything they want to research. Like how many people were interested in this button on this page? Like they just have so much data they can look at, and anything they look at is statistically significant. Whereas like if your sample sizes are down in like the hundreds, it's going to be a lot harder to get statistical significance. Um, so that's the main reason maybe you haven't had as much, um, of a, uh, application with, with data science. Um, Mm -hmm. but that sort of top of funnel user data, uh, would probably have bigger sample sizes. Sure. It almost feels like this role is a little bit like an economist. Oh yeah, totally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and where does it? Where does it? Like, what? What's the line between this and like business operations? That's a great question. <laughs> okay, wait. So those are two <laughs> questions. <laughs> There's two questions. Uh, you know, when does my job become the job of an economist, and when does my job right. become that of a biz ops person? Uh, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely overlap depending on what you're working on. Um, so or maybe it's business analyst. Wait, what's the difference? Business analyst. Um, business oh. operations oh. team often have analysts working for them. Right. Uh, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who are trying to optimize your business. So, uh, like, you know, whether that's financials or, um, uh, struggling to come up with other examples <laughs> because I don't. They just care about financials. It's, uh... Financials. I think it's money. It's money. Yeah, um, yeah. The uh, money yep, yep. and the mm-hmm. cheddar. 
<laughs> and the dollar dollar right. bills. Um, whereas, uh, you know, an economist uh, often overlaps with a data scientist when you're specifically interested in market data. Like, uh, how, how do we, uh, you know, price a particular product to be competitive with the market? Right. Um, or uh, like, how do we how do we um, acquire enough product uh, enough product or inventory to um, in this market uh, to uh, accomplish whatever our business goals are? Yeah, <laughs> and that, so so that that's the Economist. Yeah, I mean, so um, I think nowadays a company that requires an economist might just hire a data scientist depending on the problem they're trying to solve. Um, Like if, if it's a econometric problem applied to large data sets, they might hire a data scientist to, to actually um, do that. Whereas if it's sort of a more theoretical, like, you know, what's the relationship between these two macroeconomic variables or something, um, mm-hmm. then they might hire like a theoretical economist. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm oversimplifying it a bit, but there's definitely overlap in the roles. <laughs> it's funny. You say oversimplifying it. I'm like, I think I understood a few of the things you said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm a dumb dumb. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> no, we I'm don't dumb. say that about ourselves. <laughs> um, no, uh, I – so – um, when you said that you were going to go into a career in physics, what was that career potentially going to look like? Oh, wow. Yeah, this I did not expect this question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so I was at the time in, in undergrad, I was working in a lab, uh, a soft matter lab, and I had What's um, a soft matter lab. It's essentially like literally just squishy materials. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. Uh, again, oversimplifying, but um, you know, squishy so materials that are kind of between a solid and a liquid um, have like they have very unique properties, and uh, I'm trying to think of it like. Uh, so you would have gone into the production of uh, manufacturing slime for 13-year-olds? <laughs> yes. Yes, Okay, yes. yeah. Lead Everyone's slime <laughs> productionist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but Sorry, yeah, I didn't need to they, deter from that. Uh, yeah, well, I think, you know, manufacturing materials was probably the main application of that. Um, or, you know you could go the, uh, the academic route and just uh, sit in the lab all day. Um, mm. But there was yeah. a data collection aspect of it that was interesting to me, which was, um, you know, all these materials have different properties um, and you can measure these properties through uh, different types of like microscopes or different um different tests that exist um and that's a lot of just data collection and analysis um so that's probably so, that's, so where my... that's when the spark happened probably probably so is that is that kind of like like you know when you're not talking to stakeholders when you're not like problem solving with like other people is that what you're doing oh yeah so i guess back to that question about my <laughs> typical day um yeah, so writing a lot of code, uh, looking at um, looking at the data, understanding it, um, understanding relationships between variables, um, uh, trying to actually take the problem that you know me and this stakeholder have decided is the problem, and break it down mm-hmm. into smaller parts um, that can be solved with data. So. You know, they want to understand, you know, uh, why, why is this product uh, not selling as quickly as we, as we wanted? Um, and then you go in and see, like, are people interested in this product? Are, is it priced correctly? Um, do they, uh, do we have it uh, in the right markets? Are we marketing correctly? 
um, that sort of thing. So anything that you have data for, you might look and try to see if it explains what you're trying to explain or, I mean, there's a lot of different types of problems that you can come across in this field. Um, yeah. So, so it's a lot of like spending time with that data to see if there's any sort of patterns. Yeah. Um, definitely. And I think anytime that I've, uh, started a new job, the the hardest part is that I don't know any of the data. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. about it and I have to like go in and learn about it and all the little nuances that can come with it. Um, and that's like, you know, a major- I would say a majority of my day is like just sitting and looking at the data, playing with the data, <laughs> thinking about the data. <laughs> um, and then I guess kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, if you like jobs where you just sit and think all day, it's a good job for that. Although you do need to have some people skills and be able to work with people. And uh, the more senior you get to the more you need to like, you know, work with more junior members and delegate work and, you know, check in on projects and a little bit more like project management, I guess. And probably like work cross departmentally where now you're starting to talk to people that have maybe a different approach to these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, I was, I was going to ask on the data um, for this this is probably gonna be two questions for you. Does it start with the data and you look for a solution or does it ever start with a hypothesis and you look to prove it? And then on the second part of it, how often are you working on problems that people have come up with a hypothesis and you're either like, like, I don't, does, does anything really prove this? Or like you're working to help prove that hypothesis from someone else that might think that they are onto something. I don't know if those that's, two questions make sense. That's a great question. Um, I think it's a generally it's generally bad practice to start with a very strong hypothesis and try to prove it because Mm -hmm. the truth is like you if you try hard enough you can get data to tell any story you want um Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, maybe that's a well-kept secret but you know um I can come up with different metrics to say the thing you're trying to say or like filter out certain data to get it to say the thing you're trying to say and really what you want to do is start with um a methodology like how do I answer this question um and decide that methodology ahead of time uh before actually investigating um and this is sort of more we're talking more analytics here um so not so much machine learning, I guess. Um, that's sort of a different um, process. But I'd say analysts in general, you want to s- start with defining your methodology and work from there mm. rather than start with, with a hypothesis. Sorry, I think I'm still confused. Is data scientist like do like <laughs> do data scientists do analytics? machine learning and data engineering? Uh, It depends on the company. Um, Got it. So some companies you do all three, some you do two, some you do just one. Um, I think these days, sometimes they just hire specifically for an analyst or machine learning engineer or data engineer. Um, And uh, and, and you did say earlier that like you think that the generalist – um, data scientist is kind of evolving? Yeah, I would say, okay, I haven't proven this hypothesis. <laughs> no, no, but, um, <laughs> I have a hypothesis that the prevalence <laughs> of the data scientist job title, data scientist alone, uh, is probably decreasing over time and that mm, they're being more specific. I should, you know, not say these things so confidently if I haven't looked at it, uh, at the data. Um <laughs> You Sorry, heard the data first. Jana's saying data scientists not going to be a thing in five years. Uh, yeah. Well, I you do think probably, fascinating. You could I probably think, prove um, it with your data. Maybe I'd have to do some scraping. I think. Oh uh, yeah, but you could prove it. The I do think um, 
startups are probably still interested in more of a generalist data scientist Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because they don't have enough resources to (laughs) pay someone to do, pay a different person to do each of those three things. Individual. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I think that's really interesting because of the fact that like we did, like you did say that data science is a relatively new space. So like it's still kind of figuring itself out, I think is what you said. Um, So like, yeah, sure. Maybe like you haven't like scientifically proven that this is the direction, <laughs> but like just your experience in the industry is kind of leaning towards a, a more kind of decentralization of the specific sub roles that da- yeah. data scientists are doing. Is that correct? Yeah. And I guess what I sort of thought in my head but didn't say out loud <laughs> is that <laughs> the skill sets required for these three different things are quite different. Um, uh huh. Like, sometimes like sometimes if you're a machine learning engineer you might require more like software engineering skills right Um, yeah whereas an analyst might have to have a little more like business savvy um type skill sets um and it's really hard to find those things in the same person like someone who is really good at both of those things yeah (laughs) um Mm -hmm. we call those unicorns (laughs) (laughs) so um, yeah, what would you say the list of soft skills would be for kind of the generalist role? Like I imagine a uh-huh. data analyst, there might be more soft skills needed, but what comes to mind when you think of the soft skills needed to be a data analyst? Or I'm sorry, a data scientist. <laughs> um, soft skills, I guess. I mean, like I said earlier, stakeholder management is just mm-hmm. a huge deal um you can't avoid it (laughs) like if you if you can't you know work with stakeholders you will not end up solving the right problems um and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you know with that comes communication um you know problem solving is definitely a part of it so can you take this sort of vague problem and turn it into a concrete project um like what are the can you actually define what the questions are that you're trying to answer and Mm -hmm. how you get there from this kind of nebulous pool of data um (laughs) uh, that may or may not be structured how exactly how you want it to be um so so for you i'm curious um are you, do you have a pull more towards the analytics, machine learning, or data engineering side? <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I think that is something I need to figure out. Um, I enjoy coding for sure. So um, that aspect of machine learning I, interests me. Um, statistics interests me. Um I'm probably less interested in, you know, answering business questions <laughs> strictly for, I, I think oftentimes your uh, workflow is a little more, is a little less conducive to um, like deep thinking and more just like, Mm-hmm. you know 10 people throughout these random requests to me today so I have to go answer them um, uh, which uh-huh. I find a little less rewarding personally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah um, so currently you are functioning as a unicorn because you're doing it all <laughs> but you know I'm probably not doing them all as well as I could be um, and actually uh, my current company has evolved towards more focused roles and Mm. and now I'm really more doing machine learning um whereas when I started there wasn't a very strong analytics arm so right I was covering some of those responsibilities but um definitely more focusing on on machine learning these days got it so in a day are you you know, just looking at data and following your heart where the data points you? Or is it like, hey, here are five problems that we're trying to solve. Can you help us like look into it more? And then you go find the data. Uh, like what what are kind of the, the prompts that you get? Or how do you, what is your workflow like that leads you to exploring the data? Mm-hmm. Um, usually not. I'm usually not just following my heart randomly, um, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, 
but I I think most of the time my work grows out of a some sort of um, broader business problem. Um, like, hey, we want to optimize this thing in our business. Do you think, like, what do you think? <laughs> and, uh, mm. you know, I'll, I, the more senior you get, the more you're able to sort of make recommendations about, like, where you could go, how you could solve this with data um, mm-hmm. and and sort of, you know, come up with, like, timelines. And uh, usually there's sort of, I think, um, a difficult part of the process is that any sort of data science problem starts with kind of an exploration phase um, right. where you're trying to see, like, do we actually have the data we need and is it clean enough to use for this problem? And mm. do we have the tools to turn this data into the end product that we need? Um, and that phase, depending on how complicated the problem is, can last kind of a while. Um, and it's, often hard to predict um and so you know have letting your stakeholders know like um hey we might be able to answer this problem but we need to go back and really take a look at how things are um that that is like part a huge part of just like data science project management in general well also when you're in a startup environment too time is one of the most valuable resources you can have. So I can imagine that's a hard part of the project management is setting expectations and, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, not, not, you know, giving a conclusion. Like, I mean, what I've, what I've loved about data scientists that I've worked with is like, they'll never give you a bad answer. (laughs) Like, they're not going to tell you what you want to hear. Like, they'll just tell you, Hey, (laughs) I need more time to do this, or you won't get an answer. They won't give you anything. (laughs) halfway through. So, I mean, it's, but I imagine being in a startup, you know, like being in startups makes that more difficult because everyone's really pressured Mm -hmm. under time. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, you know, at a startup, they want an answer now. um, Mm -hmm. And you just might have to wait a bit for that answer. Yeah. Um, There's also like such a thing as like an inconclusive finding um, if you're running some kind of test and, that you need to be able to explain what that means um, to a stakeholder. So it's difficult. Um, and I think, you know, I've rarely seen businesses where there's uh, any of the founders or C-suite level people are have a data science background. And so mm, it's, a, it's right. you know, often part of the problem is just explaining it in words that they understand. Um, Yeah, I think a big part of like any data science um, or data related organization um, is education. Yeah. You know, like educating like, like, I don't know, engineers, product managers, um, operations, like everyone, just everyone, because it sounds like you have like so many stakeholders just based off of just the nature of the types of problems you're expected to solve. Um, totally. I think that's really true. Um, and, and it's really, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like you're dealing with like dumb people, like all these people right, are really right, right. smart, but you need to find kind of a shared language to talk about these things. And I think that's what's hard and what you need kind of a, a strong leader for. Um, yeah. And if, if like, like, I don't know, I feel like we had to recover the definition of a data scientist multiple times in this conversation just <laughs> right. alone. And the fact that you say that it, that's still evolving, like mm-hmm. that education needs to be ongoing too. So it's almost like, like, like you said, because you don't have a C-suite person with a background in data science, like you have to do a lot of evangelizing as the trends continue to change as well, which is like a lot. <laughs> that's very true. Very, very true. And even, you know, it's changing so much to the point where like tools that I used three years ago are no longer the industry standard. And so (laughs) now you have to like change tool sets if you want to have the same support that you had back then. And you need to convince, you know, people that, Hey, this tool is actually better. We should be using that. Um, 
And wow. So someone yeah. going into this field should be an adaptable type of person. Right. <laughs> yes. I'd say that. I mean, I'd say that's true of any technical field, probably. That's true. Like you should mm-hmm. be staying up to date on the standards in the industry and best practices and, you know, maybe someone figured out some really cool algorithm that can do do what you're trying to do way better. Um, you should try to keep up with those things. Um, but it's wow. hard. It's hard to do that when you're doing this job every day. Well, I am going to move us into kind of our closing statements. Uh, that makes it sound like you had to prepare something, Jana. No, you didn't. <laughs> Um, uh, but Joyce, you and I, let's do a couple of rapid fire questions to close us out. Okay. Yeah. You go first. Huh? Um, uh, um, I'll go then. Cause, um, you, I like this question that you asked last time, Jen. Um, Mm. what about your job, uh, gives you energy versus, uh, drains you of energy? Mm gives me energy. Uh, I would say taking nothing and making it into something is very cool. Uh, It's a cool feeling and um, I feel rewarded by that. Um, Also being able to like help other people in the business. um, I find that rewarding. Draining, because I am an introvert, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) The more meetings I'm in, the more drained I am. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while I think they're kind of a necessary uh, evil, <laughs> I, it, <laughs> it, it, um, it drains me for sure. Now, uh, I thought of a question. What would you say – what would you say like a person that would thrive in a job like this should mm-hmm. be interested in? Like what – like – Mm, I, I'm not asking this question right, but I think you understand what I'm saying, right. so I'm just going to let you go with it. I, it sounds like you're asking about like personality traits maybe? Yeah, um, yeah. I would say curiosity is a big one. Like if if you're really curious to dig around in data specifically, I guess, um, you will be very self-motivated through this job and no one will have to tell you what to do because <laughs> you'll just do it. You'll um, – you know, I guess um, if you're interested in optimization, oh this God, is I probably a good rule. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Let's go with my my first qu- my first answer. <laughs> okay. Joyce, um, uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. For for uh, okay, let's say there's like a person who is like I think. There's a lot of potential in data. I'm super motivated by data. Um, and they want to kind of pick out what of those like sub roles that we covered is right for them. What's a good way of exploring whether they should go down the machine learning path, data engineering path, or the analytics path? That's a good question. I feel like I need to to answer that question for myself. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess just try them. Like if, if, if you're at a business that has all of these roles, you can kind of see what, what's, what's, what it's all about. Um, Mm -hmm. like, are you interested in, um, you know, answering quick questions or are you sort of more of like a, you know, researchy long-term project type of person um Mm -hmm. which might draw you more to machine learning um Mm -hmm. are you more interested in statistics or um uh you know maybe data visualization would fall more under analytics um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know the answer (laughs) (laughs) try them out that's what i'm hearing yep you gotta try them to know them Mm -hmm. and i if i i this sounds like such a cool job, but I don't feel like I have attention to detail enough because one time I pulled data when I first learned how to use SQL and I like came to a conclusion where I was like, oh my God, we have to like stop everything. This wasn't at the place that we all worked at together. And 
I it was like a very shocking conclusion. <laughs> and I was about to start like I showed it to my boss and I was about to start sharing it with other people. And then I took a second and I looked at it and I pulled the data wrong. And, <laughs> but it, it it was such a lesson and just like this is not to be fucked with you know Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm. it's kind of like in the same way you can make the data represent what you want it to you can also come to conclusions that are not correct if the data is not accurate so i just imagine that there's an attention to detail that's needed in this practice to make sure that there's uh not fire alarms going off accidentally (laughs) yeah i mean definitely attention to detail I do think there is a world in which true self-serve analytics is possible where someone in a non-technical role could dig into the data and answer the question they want to answer. Um, I just haven't seen it uh, done super well. And I'm interested to see how that evolves over time. Well, I used Looker at the job I was at, which was actually really good to kind of – it was actually really great because you could pull data, but then you could also look at the SQL behind it. And so you could kind of start learning about mm-hmm, SQL. But mm-hmm. this was my first foray into like, oh, the data, the tables that I need aren't all joined together. So let mm-hmm. me join the tables together. And I think I like joined it on the wrong thing. And <laughs> and it was all downhill from there. But I would say Looker is pretty good from what yeah, I've experienced. I think the tools are pretty good. But like part of the issue is that the underlying data needs mm. to be easy enough to understand understand yeah exactly and like you know some of those joins should just maybe be done already or like documented mm. well in some way like it should be obvious how to join the data it should be obvious like which fields you should look at when you're trying to answer a certain question but yeah right. i haven't or really which fields that. represent what kind of yeah thing. yeah mm. yeah like ID, ID of what? <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. with Salesforce, it's just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I actually think they do it quite well because usually we don't when speak a, well of Salesforce. Where, when one table, <laughs> when one table, uh, when you want to join one table on the other, it'll say like table two underscore ID will be the name of the field you're supposed to join on in table one. And so mm-hmm, then you just mm-hmm. just do that. Okay. Sorry, Whatever. this is really boring for everyone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just lost you, like all your listeners. Oh, uh, don't worry. We don't have any. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but no, we. Uh, I will, Joyce. You need to know this. I'll never accept a sponsorship from uh, Salesforce. <laughs> okay, they've right. caused me too much pain. Well, maybe not them, but whoever <laughs> set up the Salesforce I used did. And one day I'll find that person. Um, well, yeah, I think I think that Salesforce is a very powerful tool, but it like gives you a lot of rope, and you can hang yourself with that rope. Yikes. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's I, the I work. That's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I just put an explicit on all of these. I'm like, we might. <laughs> I like to say one swear a podcast, and I just want to make sure. Uh, <laughs> but then we can get into this stuff. All right. Uh, on that note, I'm gonna roughly transition <laughs> out. Um, Jana, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. I think this is such a great role to get into because like you said, it's still emerging. There's a lot of nuance to it. And so this was a super helpful understanding of what a data scientist does. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks so much, Jana. Thank you guys so much. You're doing an awesome thing. Uh, I I think a lot of people will be helped by your podcast. Well, thank you. Um, But not anyone at Salesforce. Anyways, (laughs) uh, Joyce and I will be right back after the music. Suppose there it is. There's my music. We'll be right back. It sounds really slow for some reason. Oh, this is louder than it used to be. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. that's fine. Okay, hi. And <laughs> hi. we're back from our break. We are we back. talked about our sponsor, Salesforce. <laughs> Salesforce. Get to your consumers where they're at at their time on our dime. I don't know. Salesforce Oh, my is gosh. You I, know what? Like, there's this, like, ongoing theme now where you just go after a company. Oh. I go after I, – I think I'm kind of forcing it now, but I do – but yeah, I will choose a company each episode and yeah. I will um, – I'll drag them for no apparent reason. 
last <laughs> last episode was staples. Yeah, uh, that's right. And that's well, right. Remind you, hate teachers. Staples. <laughs> they hate teachers unless they've sent Andrea's school district the copy machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're still waiting on that, Staples. Yeah. I is this a good way to get sponsorship? Is uh to just say like to if just you become our sponsor, we won't make fun of you on just our show. Be antagonistic until they comply. Yeah. I think I mean, I- that's terrorism. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh. Maybe we should try a different strategy. <laughs> never. I mean, you can, Joyce. You're nice, but um, I, I like a scorched earth approach. <laughs> That's right. Mama, what was it? Mama Ma- wants it. You remember? Oh, mommy wants her. Want some chaos? Uh, chaos or drama. <laughs> mommy wants her drama. <laughs> oh, man. That was that the podcast. best sound bite. <laughs> ever ever well now we just <laughs> maybe i should end each episodes with mommy wants her drama <laughs> yum, yum, yum. um that was super that i'm so glad we talked to jana because i feel like data i've worked with two data scientists now and they're always so freaking brilliant yeah but there's always been an aspect of what it is that they do that i didn't understand oh oh yeah totally and like i, I feel like that's why I was like, wait, what? Can you say that again? Can we cover it again? But I'm, I'm, I am really ex- excited to kind of hear your perspective because you have worked very closely with data and you really do love data. And so like, do you think that that this is something that you would have done and would have enjoyed? You know, I think maybe. I wasn't great at math, but strangely, I was pretty good at statistics. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, well, I think I was good at statistics because I never got to statistics in high school, but then when I tested in for college for like a community college, I actually tested really well in statistics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though but um so I think the data engineering part of just like making sure that the data is good, that sounds yeah. interesting. Like it feels very um, you know, micromanagey, like making sure everything's right. The data analyst part sounds cool. The machine learning part, the kind of projecting into the future, that sounds interesting, but for some reason, it doesn't like give me that same buzz that the other two do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about yeah. you? Yeah, I, like I kind of expected this, but like it is very similar to, or not similar, but it's very tied to the work that you do as an engineer. Mm-hmm. Like the construction of those tables, the constr- like the design of the data itself is very much something that is built into what we need to do as engineers. Yeah. Um, and so it's just really interesting. And we didn't get a chance to kind of dig into this more, but like data engineers, I'm like very curious, like what a pure data engineer does um, and how they interface with engineering. Like, yeah. Because like they would have to somehow be involved in like Jana said, the creation of these tables, like what do these rows actually represent and all that, like the details uh, and of the design. Um, So, so that, that's really interesting. I like, I, I was super fascinated to hear that like data science as an individual role is just evolving into three different roles. Yeah. And it makes sense though, that data science is this kind of new role that is still finding its way yeah, but it, yeah. it is serving such an important part of businesses because you do really need someone that is maybe not tied to the particular problem, but can review the information and come up with um, somewhat an unbiased approach to solving it. Because yeah. we didn't even get into this, but we kind of talked to Jana like, you know, in between her being done and us like now recording this is just how to approach people that are like, yeah, I don't believe that data. And well, yeah, yeah. I think that there's like like there's this whole other side of kind of like the psychology and like the yeah. politics that go into data because it's almost like, I don't know, like data is helpful, but to a certain extent, it's also like how – how much do you actually want to leverage, right? Like, like if people mm-hmm. if people see like a specific research, like that um, that I don't know represents like a specific position. Like, how willing should you be to absorb that information? Like, was this 
just kind of put in a put up in a way where it pushes a specific agenda. Sure. You know, like things like that. Like there's a lot that can kind of be veiled with data. And yeah. so I think that's really interesting to think about too. Yeah. I I think too the trust that right. one has in the data, like that's why I think it's so important that businesses set up their infrastructure early mm-hmm. and correctly because it's really hard to come back from mistrust in the data source. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is so interesting to kind of look at this in the real world as well. Like, you know, in terms of like hot button social issues, people can use the data in a certain way to make their point to the to the level where it's just like nothing, nothing makes sense anymore. And- I, I know. That's the thing is that like at, at what point does data stop like being useful then? Like, you know, the more we abuse it. Yeah. And it's like data is I've heard is one of the most valuable resources right now. And, yeah. you know, the getting paid p- premiums next to I think water is going to be the next one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, God, it's we live terrifying. in a hellscape. Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna uh, let's lend let's let's see let, leave it there um because mommy <laughs> wants her sanity uh, she wants to live under a rock and not think about these things any you hoozle this has been so what do you do I've been your host Jen Staben and I have been your host Joyce. And I uh, made the music go away too early. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy made the mistake. Uh, I got I to gotta end it. Bye. <laughs>